This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Today's podcast is a reading of Hansel and Gretel, collected by the Brothers Grimm. It runs 16 minutes. It's read for us by Julie Davis, and we will be discussing it afterward. Hansel and Gretel Near a great forest, there lived a poor woodcutter and his wife and his two children. The boy's name was Hansel and the girl's Gretel. They had very little to bite or to sup, and once when there was great dearth in the land, the man could not even gain the daily bread. As he lay in bed one night thinking of this and turning and tossing, he sighed heavily and said to his wife, What will become of us? We cannot even feed our children. There is nothing left for ourselves. I will tell you what, husband, answered the wife. We will take the children early in the morning into the forest where it is thickest. We will make them a fire, and we will give each of them a piece of bread. Then we will go to our work and leave them alone. They will never find the way home again, and we shall be quit of them. No, wife said the man. I cannot do that. I cannot find it in my heart to take my children into the forest and to leave them there alone. The wild animals would soon come and devour them. Oh, you poor fool, said she. Then we will all four starve. You had better get the coffins ready. And she left him no peace until he consented. But I really pity the poor children, said the man. The two children had not been able to sleep for hunger, and had heard what their stepmother had said to their father. Gretel wept bitterly and said to Hansel, "'It is all over with us.' "'Do be quiet, Gretel,' said Hansel, "'and do not fret. I will manage something.' And when the parents had gone to sleep, he got up, put on his little coat, opened the back door, and slipped out. The moon was shining brightly and the white flints that lay in front of the house glistened like pieces of silver. Hansel stooped and filled the little pocket of his coat as full as it would hold. Then he went back again and said to Gretel, Be easy, dear little sister, and go to sleep quietly. God will not forsake us, and laid himself down again in his bed. When the day was breaking and before the sun had risen, the wife came and awakened the two children, saying, "'Get up, you lazy bones. "'We are going into the forest to cut wood.' "'Then she gave each of them a piece of bread and said, "'That is for dinner, and you must not eat it before then, "'for you will get no more.' "'Gretel carried the bread under her apron, "'for Hansel had his pockets full of the flints. "'Then they set off all together on their way to the forest. "'When they had gone a little way, "'Hansel stood still and looked back toward the house.' and this he did again and again until his father said to him hansel what are you looking at take care not to forget your legs oh father said hansel i am looking at my little white kitten who's sitting up on the roof to bid me good-bye you young fool said the woman that is not your kitten but the sunshine on the chimney-pot Of course, Hansel had not been looking at his kitten, but had been taking every now and then a flint from his pocket and dropping it on the road. When they reached the middle of the forest, the father told the children to collect wood to make a fire to keep them warm, 
and Hansel and Gretel gathered brushwood enough for a little mountain, and it was set on fire, and when the flame was burning quite high, the wife said, Now lie by the fire and rest yourselves, you children, and we will go and cut wood, and when we are ready, we will come and fetch you. So Hansel and Gretel sat by the fire, and at noon they each ate their pieces of bread. They thought their father was in the wood all the time, as they seemed to hear the strokes of the axe, but really it was only a dry branch hanging to a withered tree that the wind moved to and fro. So when they had stayed there a long time, their eyelids closed with weariness, and they fell fast asleep. When at last they woke, it was night, and Gretel began to cry and said, "'How shall we ever get out of this wood?' But Hansel comforted her, saying, "'Wait a little longer till the moon rises, and then we can easily find the way home.' And when the full moon got up, Hansel took his little sister by the hand and followed the way where the flint stones shone like silver and showed them the road. They walked on the whole night through, and at the break of day they came to their father's house." They knocked at the door, and when the wife opened it and saw that it was Hansel and Gretel, she said, "'You naughty children, why did you sleep so long in the wood? We thought you were never coming home again.' But the father was glad, for it had gone to his heart to leave them both in the woods alone. Not very long after that there was again great scarcity in those parts, and the children heard their mother say at night in bed to their father, "'Everything is finished up. We have only a half loaf, and after that the tale comes to an end. The children must be off. We will take them farther into the wood this time, so that they shall not be able to find the way back again. There is no other way to manage. The man felt sad at heart, and he thought, It would be better to share one's last morsel with one's children. But the wife would listen to nothing that he said, but scolded and reproached him. He who says A must say B too, and when a man has given in once, he has to do it a second time. But the children were not asleep, and had heard all the talk. When the parents had gone to sleep, Hansel got up to go out and get more flint stones as he did before, but the wife had locked the door, and Hansel could not get out. But he comforted his little sister and said, Don't cry, Gretel, and go to sleep quietly, and God will help us. Early the next morning, the wife came and pulled the children out of bed. She gave them each a little piece of bread, less than before, and on the way to the wood, Hansel crumbled the bread in his pocket and often stopped to throw a crumb on the ground. "'Hansel, what are you stopping behind and staring for?' said the father. "'I am looking at my little pigeon sitting on the roof to say good-bye to me,' answered Hansel. "'You fool,' said the wife. "'That is no pigeon.' but the morning sun shining on the chimney-pots. Hansel went on as before and strewed breadcrumbs all along the road. The woman led the children far into the wood where they had never been before in all their lives. And again there was a large fire made, and the mother said, Sit still there, you children, and when you are tired you can go to sleep. We are going into the forest to cut wood, and in the evening when we are ready to go home we will come and fetch you. So when noon came, Gretel shared her bread with Hansel, who had strewed his along the road. Then they went to sleep, and the evening passed, and no one came for the poor children. When they awoke, it was dark night, and Hansel comforted his little sister and said, Wait a little, Gretel, until the moon gets up. 
Then we shall be able to see the way home by the crumbs that I have scattered along it. So when the moon rose, they got up. But they could find no crumbs of bread, for the birds of the woods and of the fields had come and picked them up. Hansel thought they might find the way all the same, but they could not. They went on all that night and the next day from the morning until the evening, but they could not find the way out of the wood, and they were very hungry, for they had nothing to eat but the few berries they could pick up. And when they were so tired that they could no longer drag themselves along, they lay down under a tree and fell asleep. It was now the third morning since they had left their father's house. They were always trying to get back to it, but instead of that they only found themselves farther in the wood, and if help had not come soon they would have been starved. About noon they saw a pretty snow-white bird sitting on a bough and singing so sweetly that they stopped to listen, and when he had finished the bird spread his wings and flew before them, and they followed after him until they came to a little house, and the bird perched on the roof. And when they came nearer, they saw the house was built of bread and roofed with cakes, and the window was of transparent sugar. "'We will have some of this,' said Hansel, "'and make a fine meal. I will eat a piece of the roof, Gretel, and you can have some of the window. That will taste sweet.' So Hansel reached up and broke off a bit of the roof, just to see how it tasted, and Gretel stood by the window and gnawed at it. Then they heard a thin voice call out from inside, Nibble, nibble like a mouse. Who is nibbling at my house? And the children answered, Never mind, it is the wind. And they went on eating, never disturbing themselves. Hansel, who found that the roof tasted very nice, took down a great piece of it, and Gretel pulled out a large round window pane and sat her down and began upon it. Then the door opened, and an aged woman came out, leaning upon a crutch. Hansel and Gretel felt very frightened, and let fall what they had in their hands. The old woman, however, nodded her head and said, "'Ah, my dear children, how come you here? You must come indoors and stay with me. You will be no trouble.' So she took them each by the hand and led them into her little house." And there they found a good meal laid out of milk and pancakes with sugar, apples, and nuts. After that, she showed them two little white beds, and Hansel and Gretel laid themselves down on them and thought they were in heaven. The old woman, although her behavior was so kind, was a wicked witch who laid in wait for children and had built the little house on purpose to entice them. When they were once inside, she used to kill them, cook them, and eat them, and then it was a feast day with her. The witch's eyes were red, and she could not see very far, but she had a keen scent like the beasts, and knew very well when human creatures were near. When she knew that Hansel and Gretel were coming, she gave a spiteful laugh and said triumphantly, <laughs> I have them, and they shall not escape me. Early in the morning, before the children were awake, she got up to look at them, and as they lay sleeping so peacefully with round rosy cheeks, she said to herself, What a fine feast I shall have! Then she grasped Hansel with her withered hand and led him into a little stable and shut him up behind a grating, and call and scream as he might, it was no good. Then she went back to Gretel and shook her, crying, 
Get up, lazy bones. Fetch water and cook something nice for your brother. He's outside in the stable and must be fattened up. And when he is fat enough, I will eat him. Gretel began to weep bitterly, but it was of no use. She had to do what the wicked witch bade her. And so the best kind of victuals were cooked for poor Hansel, while Gretel got nothing but crab shells. Every morning the old woman visited the little stable and cried, Hansel, stretch out your finger that I may tell if you will soon be fat enough. Hansel, however, used to hold out a little bone, and the old woman, who had weak eyes, could not see what it was, and supposing it to be Hansel's finger, wondered very much that it was not getting fatter. When four weeks had passed, and Hansel seemed to remain so thin, she lost patience and could wait no longer. "'Now then, Gretel,' cried she to the little girl, "'be quick and draw water. Be Hansel fat or be he lean. Tomorrow I must kill and cook him.' Oh, what a grief for the poor little girl to have to fetch water, and how the tears flowed down over her cheeks. Dear God, pray help us, cried she. If we had been devoured by wild beasts in the wood, at least we would have died together. Spare me your lamentations, said the old woman. They are of no avail. Early next morning, Gretel had to get up, make the fire, and fill the kettle. First we will do the baking, said the old woman. I have heated the oven already and kneaded the dough. She pushed poor Gretel toward the oven, out of which flames were already shining. Creep in, said the witch, and see if it is properly hot, so that the bread may be baked. And Gretel, once in, she meant to shut the door upon her and let her be baked, and then she would have eaten her. But Gretel perceived her intention and said, I don't know how to do it. How shall I get in? Stupid goose, said the old woman. The opening is big enough. Do you see? I could get myself in. And she stooped down and put her head in the oven's mouth. Then Gretel gave her a push so that she went in farther, and she shut the iron door upon her and put up the bar. Oh, how frightfully she howled. But Gretel ran away and left the wicked witch to burn miserably. Gretel went straight to Hansel, opened the stable door, and cried, Hansel, we are free! The old witch is dead! Then out flew Hansel like a bird from its cage as soon as the doors opened. How rejoiced they were! How they fell on each other's neck and danced about and kissed each other! And as they had nothing more to fear, they went over all the old witch's house, and in every corner there stood chests of pearls and precious stones. This is something better than flint stones, said Hansel, as he filled his pockets. And Gretel, thinking she also would like to carry something home with her, filled her apron full. Now away we go, said Hansel, if we can only get out of the witch's wood. When they had journeyed a few hours, they came to a great piece of water. We can never get across this, said Hansel. I see no stepping stones and no bridge. And there is no boat either said Gretel. But here comes a white duck. If I ask her, she will help us over. So she cried, Duck, duck, here we stand, Hansel and Gretel, on the land, stepping stones and bridge we lack. Carry us over on your nice white back. And the duck came accordingly, and Hansel got upon her and told his sister to come too. No, answered Gretel, that would be too hard on the duck. We can go separately, one after the other. 
and that was how it was managed, and after that they went on happily until they came to the wood, and the way grew more and more familiar, till at last they saw in the distance their father's house, and then they ran till they came up to it, rushed in at the door, and fell on their father's neck. The man had not had a quiet hour since he left his children in the wood, but the wife was dead, and when Gretel opened her apron, the pearls and precious stones were scattered all over the room, and Hansel took one handful after another out of his pocket. Then was all care at an end, and they lived in great joy together. Sing, everyone, my story is done, and look round the house, there runs a little mouse. He that can catch her before she scampers in may make himself a very large fur cap out of her skin. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Julie from A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Hi, I'm Misa. And we're going to talk about Hansel and Gretel, uh, the story by the Brothers Grimm, or a folk tale, I guess, or a fairy tale, depending on how you classify it. Not a lot of fairies in here. <laughs> um, but a lot Do of magic. Count, but witches, of. those are in fairy tales sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of magic, and there's I noticed a lot of animals this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of birds. A lot of birds, a lot of strange mm-hmm. uh, phrases, which I really, really like. Um, and So many birds, though. There's a lot of birds. There's, Acting unusually. There's also a cat, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> or maybe not. Um, it's kind of the bird episode, because then the yep. other story. Yep, absolutely. I, I think there's something to this idea. Pitcher's uh, bird. I've got, um, I've got the Grimm's fairy tales illustrated by Lucy Crane. Oh, no. Translated by Lucy Crane. I think the illustrations are by her brother. Um. Hmm. So are you talking bird because you st- went, jumped right into Crane there? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, it just in the in the there's a headpiece and a tail illustration too. I think. Let me just check. In my PDF, yeah. I, which I assume was scanned from this, some yes. very nice illustrations. Yeah. So there's a there's a little route a mouse being chased. Mm-hmm. Um, and the final by a boy with a cap or yeah, by the boy with a cap yeah and then in the first in the in the first letter of the story we get a picture of the gingerbread house i think oh yeah is that what that is yeah it is i like the smoke coming up out of the chimney looks like you know oh, candy yeah. canes i'm not sure that it, maybe that's the the a, family's house the that looks too nice for a starving family to me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this story. Um, <laughs> so, I want to... Do I, we like Hansel and Gretel? Is it a story we generally like when we think of it? Like I, Cinderella, I love. I Hansel think everybody Gretel, loves Hansel and Gretel, right? I That's think right. so. I mean, how I, can you not, really? It has everything. Mm-hmm. The gingerbread house is always attractive to to a kid i think that whole spawned a whole industry right the i mean yeah building gingerbread houses uh, i i think that comes from this must have i guess Must have i would assume i mean it certainly can't be hurting the industry (laughs) given that i hadn't thought of that i I buy them every year i i usually just eat the gingerbread and the candy separately (laughs) you mean you don't put them out on your stoop make the I try not to make the house because the the what's the the glue that's sugar makes it harder to break (laughs) apart. 
But yeah, my mom wants the house built. <laughs> I, I, like, your mom. I, I, I just, you know, I say, hey, I just bought a gingerbread house and I, I give her all the like the I don't know, the sugar, the icing sugar. I just really like You're the, the worst, the worst son. <laughs> I would take you out to the forest and leave you if we're not. Making oh, that my house. gosh. <laughs> Uh, so I want to no I want to approach this indirectly. I I like to come out from the outside rather than start in the <laughs> middle or the beginning or anything like that. We already did that, but go ahead. Yeah. So there's a <laughs> Philip K. Dick story that uh, I really like. <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> that is the outside. <laughs> it is the outside. Um, but it's Jesse's inside. Uh, it is, <laughs> and it's called uh, it's called the Cookie Lady. Oh. And it's a fantasy, um, an urban fantasy or suburban fantasy, <laughs> um, because it's it's uh, set in you know the suburbs, and it's a Hansel and Gretel story without Gretel, and it has a very bad ending, as oh. in for the boy, his mm. name isn't actually Hansel, his name is Bubber, which is a pretty funny name. Um, that's not his real name, but that's what everybody calls him, except for the woman who he visits after school, who is not his mom and is not his family, but who bakes cookies for him. And Oh, Philip K. Dick. Exactly. Shame for shame. And I, <laughs> I didn't immediately recognize it as a retelling of Hansel and Gretel without Gretel. Until I noticed that all the street names um, that are mentioned on his way home from school or to this lady's house were all named after uh, trees. You know, there was like Pine Street and oh. Elm Street. And, uh-huh. and I'm like, uh-huh. And, Clever. And so that made me think about like, why does this, why are the two stories so different? Because... She's not really a regular witch. She doesn't eat him, right? Instead, she uh, seems to have discovered this power uh, to absorb the life energy of... So she basically sucks the life out of Hansel, uh, or Bubber in this case, who's a fat little boy who loves cookies and (laughs) likes to stop at this old lady's house who makes cookies (laughs) for him. She doesn't even have a TV. She just bakes cookies and has him read to her mm-hmm. and then when uh at the end of the story um he's walking home she is in her bedroom looking at herself in the mirror and her she is she's sort of absorbed his life energy so that she is young and beautiful again mm-hmm. and as he's walking home it's harder and harder for him to get home the oh, wind oh. is blowing and and he he grabs onto a lamppost, and eventually uh, the last scene is the parents saying, boy, that wind's really blowing. And then they, they hear a sort of a brushing against the door. They go to answer the door, and there's just a tumbleweed there. Aww. And so it's, so it's 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 kind of like an, a horrible version of Hansel and Gretel. It really makes me think of Hansel and Gretel in a different way. Mm. Yeah, because he's kind of recognizing from what you're saying mm-hmm. and connecting it to the original story. He's kind of saying you have to have help. Yeah, you and you can't save your, you can't be on guard and alert on your own. And that does make me think of it differently because both of them, both the children, are contributing at different times to the welfare of the whole. I mean, 
the two of them together. Yeah. They're saving each other yeah. as much as they can. Yeah, and they do take turns at that, right? Yeah, they know? do take turns. Gretel makes a bigger transformation, though. She's she's uh, maybe a little wiser, mm-hmm. and he's a little uh, cleverer, if, if those are mm-hmm. two different terms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but before we move on, that's the same story that is a Deep Space Nine episode with that same story oh, really? too. <laughs> yes, there I seen is. That so I love it though. Son, um, that is he, he as a writer. This woman comes in and she and she she's his um, she's his muse. Jake's she's Jake's muse, mm-hmm. and um, she gives him all kinds of fantastic stories. And as he writes, she sucks the life energy out of him. That's funny. I didn't, yeah, I didn't remember that one. Yeah. Hmm. I guess his Is father she... saves him. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, probably his father saves him. Some, some, yeah. He's must the only be. child, Who right? else would save him? The captain. Yeah. The commander. Yeah. Ben yeah. Sisko. It's Sisko. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he, he doesn't have any brother or sister to help him, right? He does not. Yeah, no. He's an only child. The, mm-hmm. I think they really, I mean, given how few children we see in the star trek universe i think they they're suffering from you know sort of a depleting uh population there's one in star trek next generation right? <laughs> there's one in deep space nine voyager has zero the kids well, are no, really no, you know ostensibly it's got a little girl yeah in right voyager, the, there's a little the girl? right there's yeah. the little right well the and i would say for most of those, there shouldn't be any children at all. Not Deep Space Nine because people are living there, but the other ones, they're actually ships of exploration or war or whatever. There, there's no place for children there. You, sh- you should be doing something else if you're going to have kids. It's just a fluke that allows children on ever. Wow. That's why they had to get rid of Wesley as soon as possible. Well, <laughs> as soon as possible. Just hear me on this. <laughs> uh, I think it was bad writing is what the problem well, that was there. Too. Yeah, that too. I've listened to all of uh, I can't remember his name now. Will whatever's Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Will Wheaton's podcast on the subject. He's now at peace with it, but poor guy. Um, oh. Yeah, he didn't have all the best episodes. It's true. No, um, he he's thrilled, but he he and he was he was so wounded that people hated him. But then he went, grew up and went. Oh, I get it. I could turn so. this into an industry. <laughs> yeah, and I have. And, and I, and I have. About it. <laughs> so oh, uh, we did talk about the birds. I want to talk about the cat. And so he says, "Oh, father," Where said Hansel. "I'm looking at my little white kitten who is sitting up oh. on the roof to bid me goodbye." And then the wife says, you young fool, said the woman, that is not your kitten, but the sunshine on the chimney pot. We have that scene repeated again uh, mm-hmm. on the second journey, but it's not, um, it's not a cat. It's a pigeon, he says. It's right? a pigeon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why aren't they eating the cat and the pigeon? They're so too fast question. for him. Or maybe they did. <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe that's why there's no cat the second time. Yeah, you fool. That's not your cat. We ate your cat last <laughs> night. What do you think? <laughs> I can tell you. The screeching is horrible when that oh, happens. My. But I have to say, when I first was reading the story, I was going, how does he have a kitten when they have nothing to eat? I don't yeah. understand. But, of course, a cat would be useful because it would kill rats and things. So Yeah, prevent But you could also eat. Yes. 
Yes. So uh, there it's a good cat. It was competition. This is a, <laughs> this is a kind of a strange story for modern kids. I think. I mean, uh, there hasn't been a time in my life where uh, we went for a sustained period of time without food. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, Are there's you been hours. Nobody can imagine this because me either. I've never gone without food like this. But it doesn't mean you don't enter into the story. Well, I mean, none, to say that is to assume that you can only understand a story that you're familiar with all the physical pieces of, in which case no one would understand any of this except possibly the gingerbread house that some people <laughs> don't put together for their dear old parents. Well, um, you can understand it, but I, but I think that it was more a lot more tangible when it was written. Like, it, it oh, was, yeah, totally. you know, a possibility. There, sure. there was uh, a famine in Germany. Um mm-hmm that really had people doing, you know, some of the things we think about in really terrible famines is that they do revert yeah. to uh, what the witch is basically all about, which is cannibalism, right? Cannibalism. Mm-hmm. So uh, in a sense, it, the parents are, you know, like one of the th- things to try and figure out is who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. The kids obviously seem to be the good guys, right? Um, Everyone agrees that the mom's pretty horrible, mm-hmm. but I don't think as many people are are cool with the idea that the dad's pretty horrible too. Well, he's weak. He's weak, and and that he agrees makes him pretty horrible. If he, he if he had any backbone yeah. at all, he'd just stay in the forest and die with his children. He's convinced in a certain sense, right, uh, by the the wife. And does it say step stepmother at the end? It says stepmother in the second paragraph. Okay. In this version, right. it says stepmother in the second paragraph. It's very, it's it slips well, around, right? Sometimes it's just, yeah. it, it starts off with, near a great forest, there lived a poor woodcutter and his wife and his mm-hmm. two children, not their two children, right? Yeah. So, in my, yeah, in the version, the PDF that you sent, it's at the bottom of the first page, and that's mm-hmm. more than the second paragraph. It's after she's been going, let's dump them in the woods, we'll do this. And right. he's like, I really pity the poor children. And and I'm like, holy crap, they're not even making her into a stepmother. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, that, I thought that too. And then, oh, there she is. I read that in the original one, she's not a stepmother, though. Like in the original Grimm version, it was the, the mother. This is the, mm-hmm. this is the original Grimm version. However, it's... So, it's no, the translated, translation, right? Maybe. It's very maybe a different translation then. Yes, I had one online that there were versions where she, the mother. Yeah, it's very. I mean, I think it's kind of in the text that it's slippy, right? That it's not mm-hmm. clear. Um, and when we get to the end, uh, the description of how she went away is uh, she died. She, right? she died. Thank goodness. Yeah, but so so. Is she the witch? I'm pretty sure she's the witch. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh no, I don't feel because, like she's the witch. Yep, but did you read? Like she says, the the mother. At one, when the kids come back, she says, "Get up, you lie beds. We're going to the forest to fetch wood." And then the witch says to um, Gretel later, almost the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. I think she says, "Get up, you lazy bones, and go fetch me." Like it, like in terms of. Sentence flow and structure is the same thing. Get up, you lazy bones, and go. Fe- it's and the same pattern. It's, it's the same pattern. Yeah, and and, and, the, and the fact is that the wife dead? is gone is yeah. so. I mean, the thing is, is we mm. can we can we can read it the way kids read it, which is they just don't even 
there's no subtext. It's all it's directly <laughs> into the mind, right? It's there's no That's how I read it. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's how we're supposed to read it the first time. But but that's because we're children, right? As adults, we come back to it and we think about like how if we're telling this story to kids or you're reading it to Jesse. <laughs> Jesse's <laughs> listening to the the audio file. He's 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 thinking, aha! Uh-huh, I see that. There's like one of the reasons I I think that that Philip K. Dick story is so influential for me in seeing this story is is because it makes me see the relationship between Hansel and Gretel as one of strength of against right. adults against right. uh, both a mom who's kind of a, a bitch or a horror. Or stepmom, who's a monster, right? Who's a witch? Right. All of these sort of uh, horrible things, and a weak father. Like they, they sort of gang up on the kids, right? Yeah, but but if the if the mother is a witch, it, you can give the father a break. She could be, you know, absolutely. And she she doesn't convince him in just by saying it, right? It takes a little while, and then the second mm-hmm. time, uh, there's a line in there that's sort of like uh, I don't know people would say it's sexist now or something. It was a, a line, something like once a, once a man gives in, he has to always give in. <laughs> That's a great line. That was a great line. I kind of liked that line. Man. I was this person. Did it actually say man? I, Cause I only remember. It might've been husband. Um, hmm. Yeah, here it is. But it's um, that but, it applies to anyone as, as a lot of this stuff can apply back and forth. You know, it's because when you look at the story from, reading it closely as we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about power relationships and, and what do you do when you're the small helpless one? Well, once you've, once you've given in and, and given authority to somebody, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're the helpless one. You have to grasp back that authority. And that's why Hansel and Gretel need each other. They each have different strengths and working together, they can keep the faith. They can keep going. But when you when you allow yourself to be separated, like the father does, um, then you've then you've got a problem. Here, I want to read this line because it stands out as well. Uh, in listening to it, I was like, "That's a weird, a very weird line, especially in a story like, as opposed to I don't know math class. Listen to this." <laughs> But the wife would listen to nothing that he said, but scolded and reproached him. He who says A must say B too. And (laughs) when a man has given in once, he has to do it a second time. What does that mean? When when he who says A must say B too. So you gave in to A, therefore B. Mm -hmm. is, Is that the logic? I think so. that's interesting because I have I I pulled out the same line and in the version that I have it says if I'm if if a man yields once he's done for and so because he had given in the first time he was forced to do so the second. Mm-hmm. So the one that I have is much more um, concrete. Like yeah. here it is in your face. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all know that, right? You give in to a temptation you've been holding out against, wh- whether good or bad. I like mean, you know, a cigarette like, is, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And then once you've done it once, it's like, oh, now I want it again. It's like when you and break your diet in. for the day. Yeah, I had a cookie yeah. at 10 o'clock, so I'm going right. to eat a cake for the rest of the day. <laughs> right. Well, now I can have one because I, I messed the day up, so I might as well just do it. 
Exactly. I already spanked my kid. I might as well kill him. (laughs) Well, well, I just keep spanking him again. You know what this made me think of when you were talking about, um, well, just recently, I can't remember. uh, We were talking about, you know, good parents and bad parents and all this. And it made me think of Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah, and she feels like her parents are awful. And then she goes to this world and discovers the nice monster, essentially, who's going to seemingly give her what she wants. And she tries to fight her. Right. She tries to fight her way back. Her parents are gone. And she's like, holy crap, they weren't as bad as I thought. Now, this story isn't that. But it's another look at the whole idea of how do children see their parents? How do parents relate to their kids? You know, Mm -hmm. when are they supporting and when are they not? And what do we understand? Um, It's just interesting all the ways everybody kind of takes this base story and looks at it because sometimes as we discover the people who seem to be offering you the nicest most wonderful things actually don't have a single good thing in mind for you at all Mm -hmm. you know it's the weak father who's actually the best if you can get him out from under that malign influence or find a way to negate it um i i like that that idea of thinking of the story that way i hadn't really ever thought about this story much except when i was a kid to go "Ooh, what would that gingerbread house be made out of because we all like that i mean that's the part that we all understand right it's right we all understand whether it's a cigarette or a cookie or a gingerbread house or a i don't know that extra book that i won't have time to read for two months but i want it now i you know i i think there's i want i want to connect this up to like What's this? What are these Hansel? Not all of these stories, you know, the Grimm Brothers books. What are they for? What's the purpose? And I, I think there really is purpose to them. And I, I was like, well, how do the how do these stories originally get into people? It's, I think it's like, at the end of the day, right? The kids need to go to sleep. This is my experience with these kinds of stories. Um, you tell them a story, and that gives them something to. Th- chew over while they sleep right uh, well and you can make the story longer if they're not yet sleepy but you you can the it's like how do you choose what story to tell that night and who to tell it to so i picture the sort of circumstances for the hansel and gretel telling is two kids either in the same bed or in the same room with one parent or uh, older person telling a story to these two kids who had earlier in the day been fighting with each other. And I think this is the story that gets past your defenses and says, guess what, kids? We're the bad guys. You're the team. You have to defend your little brother. You have to defend your little sister. You're a team against us. So stop fighting with each other. Instead of, you know... Oh, you know, stealing your brother's cookie, you say, how do we steal from mom? How do we steal from dad? How do we get past mom and dad's defenses and get what we need together rather than apart? Because there's other stories that are, you know, about, you know, a completely different, kind, like how to forbear against, you know, if we think about Cinderella, that's a, con- a a completely sort of different message for a different person, right? You if you've got only one girl in the room, um, and she's got a mean stepsister or an older brother or older sister who's you know a teenager and she doesn't like you know letting the kid play with her hair or hairbrushes or whatever it is. That's the sort of circumstances where that story resonates more. And I just mm-hmm. think about how 
poor little bubber, right? The 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 Philip K. Dick no kid one. had no brother or sister. It's it's the same story yeah. to save him from right. the excesses of his desires, which is to eat yummy food, which we all have, right? Mm. You make me think of two things with this. Unless, Misa, did you have something you were going to say? I did. Go ahead. I'll, I'll come oh, in. I'll go after. Okay. My, my first thought is, I my understanding was these stories were actually stories adults told that they gathered. So these mm-hmm. the kids would have heard them, but it would have only been because like the other little kids in this story, they were listening. They right. weren't asleep. So they weren't for kids. So now the second idea is as somebody who did have two little girls who are now big girls. Um, what I can easily see, and this never turned into this somehow, um, because I think it would have made it too lively. And when you're telling bedtime stories, you're trying to get them to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But That's I why could you easily pop somebody into a fire, <laughs> right? <laughs> and into the oven. So shut up and go to bed. Right. Um, which would not have worked since my husband had to go in and actually look for a. a I think it was a dinosaur that was going to come in through the window every night for one kid. It was terrible. Um, But anyway, um, it would really lend itself, you're right, to interactive storytelling, maybe at a more active time of day where you're like, once they've heard the story once or twice, and it's like, and then what did so-and-so do? Because you're putting different names in. I picked up a stick and I did this. That's Mm -hmm. right. And you said, you know, because I I like that idea and I'm totally going to use that when I have kids that right age to do that with. And then... Um, but the bedtime story idea is you're not, as I was saying, you're you're calming them down. But I like that interactive <laughs> idea of using the stories because, let's face it, one of my revelations from finding an actual book of Grimm's fairy tales when I was in high school or something, spending the night at a grandparent's house, was going the story of the robber's bride. Yes. And, you know, I'm like, oh, holy crap, I didn't know this stuff was in here. You know, <laughs> this is for grownups only. I don't think so, I don't I think that, I don't think your theory that it's it's grown-ups talking to grown-ups that tell these stories is is the right one. I think I think but that, that's what they gathered them from. I think they I think that that's correct. But they're it's like when they knock 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 the Grimm brothers are at the door. They come in, they say, "Hey, uh, we're here to gather folk tales, mm-hmm. uh, fairy tales." Um, and the parents uh, say, come on in. The kids don't say, yeah, let, let me tell you some stories my mom and dad told me. But the parents uh, say, yeah, here are the stories we tell, right? But who do they tell it to? Each other. Each other. They're not sitting reading books at night. They got nothing else going on, man. Come but, on. Yeah. In terms of this Sorry. one, I, like you, you said, so, so the purpose, the whole purpose, it seems to be, uh, it's about learning to stand up for yourself. So it's like Gretel, the whole time, the, her brother was saying, "God will take care of us. I will take care of us. Right. I will. I will. I will." And then he gets thrown, uh, you know, in, in a dungeon, prison, yeah, in prison. And she's the one that manages to kill the witch. And then, and she comes into herself. And then later, right. when when yep. they're gonna go ride the duck, she says, "We're not gonna ride this duck together. We're gonna go across separately." So it's a grow. She has grown up much right. more than him. Like, and 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 I think that's the whole the whole thing is. You, each of us, we, we depend turns. on each other, but each of us is going to have to, you know, stand up be our, for ourselves. And which is very similar to the other one that we're going to talk about, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you gotta, you got to do it yourself. And yeah. in this world where we're all starving, uh, 
you know. The other thing to think about, uh, Julie, just in terms of, um, you know, who's telling these stories. Um, back then, a lot of the parents would be children, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're only, you know, yeah, true. 12 and 13 year olds. So when they talk about, you know, uh, the, the sort of uh, who's who's telling the story, who's receiving the stories might be a little more fresh in their minds because they they were just hearing them as youngsters. That's when they learned them. Right. That's when we all learn certain stories, right? Is we learn them these mm-hmm. kind of mythological stories. We learn them when they're young, and they're coming from an oral tradition where mm-hmm. the majority of the of the population uh, that they're taking this from have no reading at all, right? They do right. not read. They they just right. know it orally. So they hear the story, they tell the story, and uh, the other thing is is a lot of them are about children, right? They're with the children as the protagonists. I, obviously, that's not true of all of them, but they are all, uh, they're typically not about, you know, uh, an old man and an old woman who uh, go find a new life together on an island, right? It's it's well, always... That's super inter- interesting story. Please do not invite me to your campfire. <laughs> It's typically storytelling. It's typically well. I mean, there are movies like that, right? You know, where it, you know, on Golden Pond or whatever. Yeah, which I've never seen. I'm just gonna say. There's a reason for that. that. You know, I mean, uh, the reason they have uh, old people is to interact with the young people in the stories, not to be about the old people, because the old people are not the audience, the target audience, right? They've already gained the wisdom. They've got the story. They're choosing what story to tell. I think. That's is. interesting. I never thought about that because we think of them as for children. So that makes sense that is, they're full of children. But if they were for everybody, why are the children, mm. so many of them, the heroes? And, and when they're well, even not children in a certain sense, like if in the case of Cinderella, right? She's not a child per se, but she's of marriageable age, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a, a, you're still a young person. She's young. Yeah sort of and under the, tra- under the travails, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, YA. Um, well, but I, they, I mean, the the first, you know, and again, this goes back to, um, I say you saying that, you know, the original stories didn't have a stepmother. They had a mother. And I'm just looking now and it's like, yeah, Rapunzel was like, why is my dress getting so tight? What happened to me while I was asleep? You know? <laughs> Oops, I don't know if everybody knows this. That prince was not as noble as he could have been when he came across her the first time. So I have um, never heard that version of Rapunzel. Oh, really? When she has the twins and goes, what's happening? Holy crap, here's two babies. Yeah, that's the original. So um, the kids may have been hearing it. And I'm thinking about as you were talking, I was going, yeah, those conditions were everybody went to bed at the same time, generally, unless the kids fell asleep first. So they would have heard it. It's dark. But they would have understood it through their own filter of, you know, childish understanding. Even in those times, there were levels, of course, of development. But they were saying that they were criticized because they were called children's tales, but they weren't suitable for children because – of all this subject matter. And I would say, you know, this is like, there are certain places that everybody tells their stories. There's the stories in the tavern. There's the stories in the, uh, with just around the fire with everybody. There's the stories that the women tell to each other in the kitchen when they're getting stuff ready. The kids may be on the edges of it. And there are some stories I, I Hansel and Gretel, why not? Um, could be 
absolutely that. But I also think that when you have no other entertainment, this is as good a story as anything, especially when you really believe in witches. <laughs> well, because it's I, also I, warning to the parents. I think witches are real in a certain sense, right? They're, they're kind of person, right? Mm. Right, um, but not, you know what I'm saying, the witch that has the gingerbread cottage, they're you know, right. that could happen. And when these stories were being told, that's a thing you could come across. Absolutely. Mm. Although I always found the talking animals in Grimm to be interesting. You know, mm-hmm. was it Lada, whatever her name was, the horse whose head was nailed above the gate and all that kind of thing. Well, the, the, advice. The, the children have a certain magic too, right? Uh, Gretel right. says, but here comes a white duck. If I ask her, she will help us. So right. she cried, duck, duck, here we stand, Hansel and Gretel on the land, stepping stones and bridge we lack, carry us over on your nice white back. Um, I had a theory um, that actually, the, I mean, once you start questioning things, you can go a little crazy, <laughs> but I had a theory that the, the, the house that they found is not actually, the, at the end of the story, is not their father's house, um, just as um, the house in the woods is not their mother's house. Um, the house that they return to is not the house they started at because they don't. There's no mention of crossing a bridge or crossing a water. No, there isn't. On uh, so how did you know? They they went a long way around apparently to get. That's what I assumed. Is they were just wandering it's and a symbolic came crossing, at it from another angle you know? and and the getting on the ducks back. There's mm-hmm. a there's a line in here about the kids being a silly goose. Uh, I think that was the witch calling her uh, Gretel yes. silly goose, right? Yes, right before she puts her in the oven. Right. So the the, <laughs> the theme of the birds is really important, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to explain exactly how it's connected, but one of the the ones I think Eric pointed out to me at one point, Eric Rabkin pointed out that the the birds uh, are fed by Hansel on the second trip. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not actually it doesn't say um you know the animals of the forest like the squirrels and I don't know whatever else <laughs> yeah. animals it's the birds of the forest and the glade and the and the waters that come and eat those breadcrumbs that he's left behind they they make the sacrifice of these breadcrumbs feed the animals when they're starving and they're rewarded right it's almost mm-hmm. like you could treat you could treat it as if you lived on a farm, well, you can eat all the animals, right? And then you have nothing. Or you can feed the animals even when you're hungry. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you get good things out of it, like eggs, which obviously leads into our next story. But I, I just think it's really striking how the first time he leaves the stone, the white stones or the uh, glinting flints, flints right, yeah. Um, yeah. out and... That saves them, and the second time you think that it doesn't save them either. But Gretel, uh, Gretel puts the duck under a spell, kind of, or at least the du- reminds the duck of the reward that they have. I guess the kids don't know how to swim, <laughs> um, and they return. And then there's a final line about this is so weird. Like, why is this in here? The final little rhyme. And Gretel opened her apron, and the pearls and precious stones, which, uh, where did those come from? The witch. Oh, that was. Is that from all the, the um, food that the witch? witch the, yeah. Is that from the food that the witch ate from previous visitors? 
Right? Oh, I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right? I mean, where does that... Uh, where, the, where do dragons get their treasure? I don't know. It has to be from somewhere, right? Uh-huh. And when Gretel opened her apron and pearls and precious stones were scattered all over the room and Hansel took one handful after another out of his pocket, then was all care at an end and they lived in great joy together. Sing, everyone, my story is done. And look, round the house, there runs a little mouse. He that can catch her before <laughs> she scampers in may make himself a very large fur cap out of her skin. A very large fur cap out of the skin of a mouse. Very strange. <laughs> I almost didn't read that because <laughs> I was just like, was it's like, pretty weird. I don't think this goes with this. I think they just stuck it in there to fill the page up. I think, um, I think it, it's... it's uh, I treat it like it's it's a distraction on purpose, but I yeah. don't know if that's if that's maybe there is something else to it because the animals in here are pretty weird. The relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And mm. the f- relationship between f- humans and animals and the house, like if we, we we know the iconic image of the of the gingerbread house, but when the kids come to the house and they start eating it, the witch calls from within hey what's going oh, on yeah. up there and the kids say oh it's just the wind <laughs> mm-hmm. nibble nibble little mouse who's nibbling at my house right so uh, what when i think about what the kids are doing there they're doing what kids do which is you know cost the parents money they eat us out of house and home is that line right <laughs> Yeah. And and the stepmother is saying the exact same thing. You know, the kids are we're starving to death and you want to keep the kids? Are you crazy? Blah 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 blah. Fine, fine. Let's take them out in the woods, right? They go out in the woods, they get rid of the kids. Um when the kids come back, they're okay until the next famine comes, right? Mhm. And the next wave of the famine comes, they take them out again into the woods, give them the same thing. Um the first time they go out, they they're by, they're sleeping by a fire. The second time they go, they sleep under a tree. The father's a woodcutter, I guess, is the idea, right? No fire for you. And mm. then the third time they're sleeping, it's in the witch's house under the roof, not made of wood, but made out of candy. And everything in the house, like, isn't the glass made out of candy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the windows are uh, sugar. So there's something, there's something like... Also, like, I think of, you know, when I was a kid and I, I want some candy. And I say, I want some candy. And he said, we can't afford endless candy, Jesse. <laughs> you, know? you can it's have candy when there's time, when the, we have money for candy. We don't have money for candy, so you can't have candy. And I'm like, I don't care about money. I want candy. <laughs> Stop talking about right. money. Right? <laughs> there's, some, there's something to this uh, idea of, like, the witch is a hoarder. Where, but she does. She hoards the things that that she doesn't even want to eat. She doesn't want to eat the children. Uh, she doesn't want to eat the candy that her house is made out of. She doesn't want to eat the the pancakes or whatever it was. It pancakes. Right. It's something pancakes. like that. Right. Delicious she makes this, pancakes. In, the house made of food has food within it that they also eat. Right. And Gretel's eating the roof. Ansel's eating. You, you the gotta windows. have a roof over your head. Come right? on. <laughs> And then when they go, they oh, hey, listen to this. Nibble, nibble like a mouse. Mm-hmm. Who is nibbling at my house? That's why I said that earlier. Yeah, Next so that mouse. mouse. Yeah, okay, yeah. duh. I'm getting it now. Oh, Gretel, I'm sorry. <laughs> later on, uh, 
the boy gets all the best food, right? Yeah, which when you were talking about dropping the breadcrumbs yeah. and feeding the birds, and then the, and then that reminded me of me of this, and now he's being repaid almost. Right, but in a in, in a kind of in a horrible bad way. way, right? In a horrible way. <laughs> but he is. But it's a, but it is a, it's a repetition though. And um, then and then when yeah the line the witch says get up lazy bones he's talking she's she's talking to Gretel she's Gretel. becoming thin right why because she is only eating the shells of of crabs, crabs. where do you get those in the middle of the forest um, <laughs> got nothing just, but crab I mean, shells like, can you live on the shells of crabs what's uh, going on I guess just like you know yeah. what's left over or something after a glacier I think that's pretty <laughs> yeah. I think um, we're thinking too much is what but, I <laughs> But you know this. But this is very much like that story you were talking about. So if she really wants to eat children, maybe it is about their energy and, and their youth and all of that to to uh, make herself young and uh, again not not just eating to be to eat, but eating to ingest their their everything about being about children. Yeah, and so if we if we if we do make the thesis that the wife, the stepmother, is the witch. Mm-hmm. The getting them out of the house is not just to keep the man and make new babies, right? Right. It's it's for that. It's to turn them into uh, meals for her in her house made of food, right? Mm-hmm. So the that that gingerbread house is not just like a, a sign to children in the forest, come eat me, but it's also a a sign of her her wealth and disinterest in. And re, you know, making babies, right? Mm-hmm. Just it's it, there's something about immortality maybe going on in there. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing about eating children makes you immortal. Yeah, it's pretty amazing story, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and I was just thinking about the father because I was like, no matter who's telling or listening to the story, and I'm thinking back in the day because I told and listened to this story. I didn't mm-hmm. think about it this way. Um, you so you have to be able to pay attention, but it's you know it's also the cautionary tale to the parent who is going to do what the greatest obvious pressure of the world says, and that's the wife going to get rid of the kids. It only makes sense to do this. Well, he loves his children. He's not had a day of peace since he left them in the woods. So he's going to suffer no matter what. Now he's lucky because they're resourceful children, and they come back and they make everything wonderful. Which I guess is part of the lesson that you're talking about, right. Jesse. Where you know, but um, but I was just thinking of you know, this is that encouragement to everyone, uh, and but especially the people who have some ostensible power. You know, you got to do the right thing. In the long run, it will pay off. The other thing is, is you know, the the parents in in most of these stories, and this one in particular, parents don't get any names, right? All the other animals <laughs> in the forest, yeah. even the witch doesn't get a name. They're all just the witch, the mom, the stepmom. The, the father, Hansel and Gretel have names. So when, unless your ch- kids are named Hansel and Gretel, which in which case you might change the names of the characters in the story, the whole point is, so in Cinderella, her name really is just a description of what she looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or even in the case of Rapunzel, the same thing. It's it's a sort of a metaphor. Uh, uh, well, it's the lettuce that the mother wanted that the husband went Rampion, and stole the witch's Rampion, garden. Yeah. 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 So uh, the, the those names are there to indicate that you know who the audience is, who the audience is. The wish fulfillment of you know not only did we get to eat lots of candy, we brought 
the things that can be converted into food, right, um, which is money, the thing that the father cares about. Oh, yeah. Right? So the, the kids are the heroes. It, and I can just, I can, I totally just picture the two kids who were fighting previously in the day, getting told <laughs> this story, and then they, the father goes away, or mother, whoever's telling, grandmother, she's telling tell a story, goes away, go, go downstairs, they tell their other kinds of stories, whatever they are, about horses or cows or whatever they are, or two old people about who move away to an island, whatever yeah. it is. And upstairs, you're you're saying that this is a, a story that'll you know keep get them riled up rather than. But I think upstairs the kids are mulling over the story. Maybe they're talking about that candy house, but in the background, sinking in is the idea that we're on the same team and that. If we cooperate and work together, even when mom and dad are fighting and and don't and fighting against us, we can be on the same team. And in the end, we'll be the ones to show them by getting all those jewels. Right? The, the, mm-hmm. the lesson gets past your defenses. Um, well, the lesson, yeah, the lesson is that you beat the the scary, awful thing that's trying to get you. That's the big lesson. The and house. then you get back home. Everything's safe. Everything's wonderful. Um, I mean. That's how a kid would play it. I mean, because when you watch little kids playing all those games, those are the kinds of games they play. And for that very reason. better than your parents, too. Like, you don't just come back safe. You come back ahead, better. I win. But I would say, yeah, in this story, but I would say in terms of kids really playing it, kids don't usually think that way unless the, the parents have got a bad relationship with them somehow they're they made their parents proud and well, everybody's a, happy together again there's a lot of bad relationships in brothers Grimm, right oh um, yeah and sometimes we can treat that as and just a, you know reason. i'm mad at mom right now or i'm mad at right. dad right now but uh typically the, there can't be you know just positive two positive parent relationships because the only characters in the story have to be ones that do a job, is my theory, for these folk tales, right? They have to, they're there for a reason. If there's no reason for that character to be there, they're not mentioned. Uh, because they're so re- right, they're washed scared. by the river of, of mm. conversation over hundreds of years when people are telling mm. these stories. Mm. Only the important things remain is the idea, I think. Right. If it, 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 taking it that way, I think this is a pretty well polished stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a lovely metaphor, Jesse. The river it stone is. washed. It I love it. Nice. With some duck duck feet paddling above. <laughs> you, you scoop it out while you're riding the back of the duck. Very well. Well, the polished it's stones. It's a flint. That's it's the, a flint. It's no, pearls. No. <laughs> that's the pearls. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. All right, I'm ready. You guys ready? Ready. Yep. Okay. Um, Julie, I don't think you have any means of recording, right? I do not. Yeah. Sorry. So uh, if we go bad, we go bad. That's all we can do. Oh, well. We'll sharpen us for another time. Yeah. We'll just have to have fun talking. I what? Th- uh, that's that's too weird. I don't get that's it. That's insane. That's like having an actual conversation with humans. I can't do that. <laughs> there has to be a recorder going. <laughs> well, just pretend it's recorded. And then when you look later, we'll be surprised one way or the other. <laughs>
right. Here we go. <laughs>